Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Um, Church, it's a privilege to be with you tonight. Um, If I sound bunged up, it's because I am. I have, a, um, I have just about everything under the sun, but it's all right. God is faithful, amen? He knows how to quicken our mortal bodies, doesn't he? He does through the power that rose Jesus from the dead. So I'm leaning hard on resurrection power tonight. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray actually with me and for me, if that's okay. And for this word, I believe God has given me something that I think is going to be immensely um, helpful Uh, practical, but also freeing and encouraging. So let's pray together. Are you ready? We, We put a hand out there. Use the force. Pray for your boy. Are we ready? Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you tonight for your word. We thank you that there is authority, Lord Jesus, in the scriptures. There is power, power, God, in your word. And you said, you have said that uh, your word is spirit and it's life, Lord. And that's what we pray tonight, that your word would be life. Holy Spirit, come and quicken me, help me, hide me behind um, the cross, hide me behind the gospel, Lord Jesus. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your heart. Lord God, Holy Spirit, speak through this very flawed vessel one more time to your beloved, to your bride. We worship you, Jesus, because you are worthy of praise. You are worthy. And so we begin tonight with worship. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We give you thanks. We love you, Lord, because you have lavished your love upon us and called us your children. That is what we are, Lord. We are children of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That is our identity. That is the solid ground upon which we stand. The solid ground of your love, Lord Jesus. You are our rock of help. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. Amen and amen. Okie dokie. Praise the Lord. Well, folks, tonight I want to speak to you. Uh, the word, uh, I couldn't really decide. I, I was having issues with a title. So I've decided to just use them both. So tonight um, I'm calling the message, Speak Life, Brackets, Songs in the Key of Life. Any Stevie Wonder fans in the house? Wow. Wow. Okay, you got a homework assignment. Songs in the Key of Life, a fantastic album by Stevie Wonder. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's just to preface something I'm going to talk about later. But I want to jump into the scriptures today. Uh, and I want to look um, at a couple of different scriptures, a familiar story, Balaam, uh, we're going to look at tonight. But I, I want to start by saying this, folks, that we are covered people. We're covered. Amen? Amen. Somebody speak back to me in the house tonight. We are covered. Listen, God, Jesus, has covered us with his promises. The word, amen, over our lives. Listen, he is passionate about his people. We are his bride. We are his body. We are his chosen people, okay? He sees no flaw in us. Listen to song, song of Songs 4 verse 7. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. 
There is no flaw in you. Folks, that is hard to believe, but the word says it's true. And Song of Songs, um, Solomon is speaking to his beloved. And of course, it's a picture of Jesus speaking to his church. Today, that is a word over your life. You are altogether beautiful and I see no flaw in you. How about this one? Zephaniah 3.17, for the Lord your God is living among you. His presence is with you tonight. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. Wonderful. This is a banner over your life. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know what your day or your week was like, but I want you to know there is a higher reality. Listen to this. With love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Folks, Jesus is singing over you tonight. If you are a part of his body, if you are his bride, he's not just talking, speaking words over you. He's singing songs. There are songs being sung from the heart of God tonight over each and every Christian person. It's good news. John 15 verse 3, Jesus says, you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Folks, you are clean. He's delighting over you, singing songs over you. This is who he is. Look at uh, songs again, Song of Songs 2 verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Hallelujah. His banner over me, his word over my life, the song he's singing over me today, it's a love song. I can't sing when I'm 100% well. Never mind when I'm sick, but I'm going to do it anyway. A million love songs later. Here, I, okay? Our Savior is singing love songs over us tonight. If that doesn't fill your heart with faith, if that doesn't lift your spirits, I don't know what will. If you live, folks, can you hear him singing? Listen, can you hear him singing? He is, we are his bride. And so he's covered us with songs of love, with his word. And folks, tonight I want you to know something. He's calling us to cover each other that way as well. Okay, I'm going somewhere. Okay, in other words, watch how you speak to his woman. Okay? The bride of Christ may not be a looker, but she's well loved. Hallelujah. Amen. Huh? Ain't that right? So look at this here. I want to go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. For the whole law, Paul says to the Galatian church, is summed up in one command love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Isn't that interesting? Folks, look at this. Look at what's, look at what's happening here. Paul links brotherly love to our mouths. Interesting, right? He goes here, and this is what he says. He says, the opposite of loving your neighbor, the opposite of brotherly love, which we are all called to in the house of God, is to bite and to devour one another. Amen? My wife has a dog, and the dog is a biter. 
No, no, no mouse. I don't like dogs that bite. Okay, this dog is a biter. Right now she's watching the sermon, Love It's Tree. He's a biter. We should get rid of him. He'd make a fine pair of slippers. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, it's a biter. No one likes that, that aspect. When you look at these words here, they, they are, they're interesting. That word bite in the original language means to wound the soul. Wow. To cut or tear with reproaches. Hmm. And devour. That means to consume, to ruin with injuries, to strip one of their goods. Whew. Biting and devouring. And both are actions of the mouth. There is therefore a connection between loving and speaking, church. There is. Listen to this. The amazing truth about the human tongue is this. It takes three years to learn how to use it, but it takes a lifetime to learn when and where to use it. Amen. It's true. I'm still learning. Hey, I'm still learning. The true test of a man's spirituality is not his ability to speak, as we're apt to think, but rather his ability to bridle his tongue. The words of the tongue should have three gatekeepers. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Hmm. Love covers a multitude of sins, the scriptures tell us. Words stick. Yeah, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever wrote that never left the house or had a relationship with anybody, okay? Never ever had a friendship, wasn't married, amen? Wasn't married, single, living in the, in the forest somewhere, right? Just me, myself, and I at the dinner table every night. You can't be in a relationship with anybody without experiencing the reality of words spoken and their effect on our lives. Listen, the house of God, the church, our home, God's, God is, look, God has brought us together. This is the house of God. And here in this home, right, in this place, it is to be safe. It's supposed to be a safe place, okay? And I'm thankful. And listen, uh, to, me, to me, this is something that we can all grow in, me in particular. My goodness, you're, <laughs> just talk, I'm glad my wife isn't here. <laughs> but, but, but safety is important when we come in and out of church. And the word says, our, our word, the, the, um, the word here says, our words can build up and they can tear down. Listen to Proverbs 18 verse 20. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who, walk, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Welp. <laughs> Folks, what I'm trying to say here is, well, we must not uncover what God has covered. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? God has spoken over our lives. God has covered us, spoken higher things over us. And we're called to partner with him in that, not to speak words that uncover or expose. There's power in what we say, folks. The Lord is calling us not only to carry each other's burdens, but to cover each other's weaknesses. Amen. And here Paul in Galatians is saying, principally, this happens in our speech. It's how we speak we must discern the body correctly and we must address the body correctly, okay? We got to see people the right way, but speak about them the right way too. Who isn't guilty in this area? 
me the most, preacher the most, are failing to properly discern the brother or sister in front of me. And instead of speaking higher things, speaking lesser things, lower things, and ultimately disagreeing with what God has to say about that person. Well, folks, tonight God is calling us to step away from that and to begin to cover, to begin to agree with whatever he said about that person. Listen, loving the bride, the body of Christ is speaking right of her and by her, covering her with his words. God is calling us, each and every one of us, Speak my words to one another. Speak my promises over one another. So in this context, loving your neighbor as yourself is speaking to or about them in the way you would want to be spoken about or to. We're covered and he stands over us like a father over a young child. I have a 14-month-old son and he doesn't always behave, but he's wonderful. I love him love him, right? We're going through a bumpy patch right now. He doesn't, he wants nothing to do with me. He only wants to be with mom. That's okay. My feelings are hurt, but I'm working through it. But to be honest, it doesn't matter what kind of a day my son has had. When I put him down to sleep or when I stand over him as he rests, there is nothing but love in my heart for my son. Nothing but love in my heart for my child. God, Jesus, has passionately loved us. God graced us to speak with the same passion over one another. Amen? Right? I ever, listen, if you want to see a parent light up, ask them about their child. Right? And as they get older, stop doing that because you're going to see, you're going to see a distant look, glassy eyes. They're going to, you know, it's going to have a different effect. But when, when they're young and cute and they don't know how to talk back, it's a, their parents gush over their children, okay? And God is calling us to speak over his children the same way, to get excited about what God is doing in that person. Get excited when you look at that brother, sister in Christ, not to see the failures, not to see the faults, but to see the work of grace and to get excited. Listen, folks, my words can lock someone up in themselves or release them from themselves. Our job, when our brother cannot see his value, is to remind him of his value in the gospel. That's our role to play in the house. You have forgot, you can't see what he's doing, who, who you are in him. I'm here to tell you. Now listen to this. It is the repetition of affirmations that leads to belief. And once that belief becomes a deep conviction, things start to happen. The more we speak the promises over one another, the deeper those promises go into the person over whom they're being spoken. And once they get deep enough and take root in the heart, they become a conviction. And that conviction begins to motivate their behavior. You have the power to speak life and fertilize the spiritual soil in that person's heart. The word of God is effective and effectual. It's able to speak the word over one another. That's where I'm going. Now listen to this. Here's the issue. Sometimes we listen to voices, to 
to different voices that, that, that don't line up with God's word. But I want to say to you tonight, if that is you, and you're walking under a lower truth, okay, there is a banner, a word over your life. People don't have the final word. People don't have the final say. I want to encourage you as we move on in the word tonight, I want to encourage you that if you've been listening to any voice that doesn't match with the, the words of scripture, with the promises of God, there's a way out, there's a route, there's healing, there's something that God wants to do through his spirit, through the word, to bring us back into confidence. God wants us to have a life, to live a life where we cover people and where we stand covered and confident, unaffected by the words of people. That's what God is calling us to. So tonight, I want to look at a familiar story. It's Numbers. It's in Numbers. It starts in chapter 22. It's about Balaam. We know Balaam and, and the donkey, right? Right? I know you've probably heard a preacher say this. Well, God can, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. And uh, God's still speaking through donkeys because here I am up here talking to you. Yeah, I don't believe that about myself. I'm joking. I'm the biggest donkey. Anyway, let's go. Uh, I'm going to read it. Uh, um, I'm going to read the scriptures. And then I want to look at two things tonight. Doubt I'll get through it all, but I'll try. I want to look at how to speak life. I want to look at how we can get into that place as Christian people where we're speaking life, okay, to one another, right? And that if we have time, I want to look at a greater reality. If you have been listening to death, people speaking messages that don't line up with scripture over your life, I want to speak encouragement and healing to you. So let's start. I'm going to give you some context. First of all, I'm going to pick the story up in Israel's history. They've been wandering through the desert for nearly 40 years. They've had a lot of victories. They've beaten kings um, up, uh, uh, up until they're, they're, this, this portion here. Uh, they've walked for 40 years. They've beaten Sion. They've beaten Og, king of Bashan. Moses is their leader, but he's going to die soon. And they're approaching the east side of the Jordan. And there is a king called Balak, who's the king of Moab, and he's heard about Israel. He's heard about their victories. He's heard that God had brought a people out of Egypt and given them victories that they had no business walking into. Folks, that's your testimony, my testimony tonight. God brought you out of this world and gave you victories. You had no business walking into, but that's what happened. And so uh, Balak is looking at these people walking through his land and he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hire Balaam. Balaam is one of these, he's like a, a, a shaman type of figure, spooky guy, okay? And Balak hires Balaam to speak curses over Israel. Hires him, and there's a whole thing that happens in uh, chapter 22 uh, about with a donkey. Uh, we know the story, and Balaam doesn't want to go initially, but he ends up going. And I'm going to pick it up, right, sort of in verse 20, uh, in verse 38 of verse 22, and then I'm going to start reading from verse 23 about the oracles that Balaam speaks. So Balaam speaks four oracles. He stands over the camp of Israel, and he's there to speak curses, but something crazy happens, and I'm going to show you what it is now. But let's start here in verse 22, verse 38. Balaam said to Balak, Behold, I have come to you. 
Have I now any power of my own to speak anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that must I speak. Okay? And we're going to go down here to verse 23, or sorry, to chapter 23. Um, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 7. Balaam is standing looking out over the children of Israel and he says this, From Aram, Balak has brought me the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. I want you to imagine this. He's up there, he's looking at the, 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 the tribes of Israel and he's, you know, whatever, and he's, he's speaking weird things, trying to speak weird things. But look at what he says in verse 8. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? From the top of the crags I see him, from the hills I behold him. Behold a people dwelling alone and not counting himself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let me, my end, be like his. And Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you um, to curse my enemies and behold, you've done nothing but bless them. You're doing a lousy job. I want you to come up there and tell, call, call it like it is. Tell them what they are. They're a rabble. They're a rabble. They've come out of Egypt. They're full of rebellion, failure. Just say that. How are you up here speaking these higher truths? <laughs> and in verse 12, he says, he answered and said, must I not take care to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Okay, and now here, 13. And Balak said to him, please come, to, please come with me to another place from which you may see them. You shall see only a fraction of them and shall not see them all. Then curse them for me from there. And he took, them, uh, and he took him to the field of Zophim, to the top of Pigsa, and built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. And now let's go here to verse 19. Again, Balaam, okay, second shot. I'm going to give you another shot. Curse them. That's what I'm paying you for. That's the assignment. And here we go. 19. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, has he said it and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? Behold, I received a command to bless. He is blessed and I can't revoke it. I can't revoke it. Look at this. Look at this. This is amazing here. Look, I can't revoke it. He has not held misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord is their God. The Lord their God is with them. And the shout of a king is amongst them. The shout of a king is amongst them. Amazing. Look at this. God brings them out of Egypt and is for them like the horns of a wild ox. There is no enchantment against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, look what God has wrought. Look what God has done. That's what it's going to be said of God's people. Behold the people. A lion as it rises up as the lion, uh, uh, and as a lion it lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured the prey and drunk the blood of the slain. And Balak said to Balaam, okay, don't curse them at all. Just don't bless them. If you can't say something mean, 
don't say anything at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Balaam answered Balak, did I not tell you all the Lord says that I must do? Okay. And I'm going to stop here, right? And I'm going to jump to the, to the third hour oracle very quickly. Verse five, a third time. Third time's a charm. Balaam up, right? Verse five of 24. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, and your encampments, O Israel. Verse seven. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt and is for him the horns of a wild ox. Blessed are those who bless you and cursed are those who cursed you. Verse 10, and Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies and behold, you have blessed them these three times. And I will leave it there. And we're going to pick it up in a second, but I want to say this here. Look, how to speak life. I want to look at three things quickly if we can. I want to look at when we're speaking life to one another. I want to look at the problem of familiarity. I want to look at the power of the right perspective. And then I want to look at some encouragements from on high. And if I can get through there tonight, I think that's more than enough. Okay, so listen. Balak hired Balaam to curse a rebellious people. That's easy money. That's easy money. It's easy to point out faults, flaws, their obvious brokenness. And folks, the enemy loves to gain a foothold in our speech. He loves to get a foothold in our speech. At ground level, Israel was in rebellion, faithless, obstinate, stiff-necked, yet God was still speaking over them in love. There was still a song over them. They were still chosen, called out by grace. God's hand was on them. God was working his purposes. His holy calling was still at work over, those li- over their lives, even though they'd rebelled against him for 40 years through the desert. Okay? And I want to say this here. I want to say this because I want to get into the conversation of perspective, you know, um, because we need to sort of get this uh, into our heads. There is a problem and the problem is familiarity. This is one of the reasons why we fail to speak love to one another. Um, and I want to say that everyone looks better from far away, okay? Everybody. So if you've ever been to a hotel and you've uh, tried to use one of those severely unflattering shaving mirrors, you know what I'm talking about, okay? It'll, it'll give you an insecurity complex. It really will. Uh, sometimes there are some days where I don't look in a mirror at all. I just can't handle the truth right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We all look better from far away. And some mirrors don't flatter. And folks, we live in a filtered society anyway, don't we? Every photo has to go through a filter. We doctor reality. We are not happy with, 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 with who we really are in that regard. And listen, living with someone is a sure way to see all of their faults and none of their growth. Right? Marriage can be a dangerous place. It's getting quiet. Oh, it's getting quiet. And familiarity can be a dangerous thing. When we get too close, when we are constantly at ground level with people, we can miss it. We can miss it. Look at verse 38 of 22. Balaam Balaam said, I have no power no authority to speak anything other than what God has put in my mouth. 
God has covered us with his words. Now we must cover one another by standing in agreement with, what, with God's word over that person's life. I will speak only what God puts in my mouth. Well, who put that criticism in there then? Who put the criticism in there? Folks, listen. Kids, spouses, leaders, we speak out of frustration, fear. We assess constantly from ground level. It's hard to hope for change when you face people's imperfections on the daily. It's true. It's much easier to tell a person where they need to be, right, than to believe that Jesus will bring them there by grace. Isn't it true? It's true. My poor wife, my poor wife, I'm going to be vulnerable and transparent with you. God help my pride. My wife is clearly the better of the two of us. Clearly more intelligent, beautiful, accomplished, humble. Yet this little pygmy here feels like he's got something to teach her. Maybe it's because I'm eight years older than her. But she's probably got at least eight years of maturity and emotional maturity over me anyway. Who do I think I am to teach my wife anything? But I adopt that sort of attitude. It's awful. And it's so easy to criticize, to point out flaws, places where people need to grow. It's much more difficult to trust that the grace of God is at work in that person and God is bringing them through. Listen, when you're living with somebody, when you're close to somebody, you can't see the growth. I've got a son, to me, looks the same all the time. But when my, my siblings see him every couple of months and the first thing out of their mouth is always, whoa, look how he's grown. See, they're not seeing him every day. They're not seeing him every day. And I got a wife and she's growing and I'm living with her. And so I get so in my own head and, and whatever and, and I miss the reality. And folks, I want to say this as well. If you've got teenagers, go easy on them. Go easy on your teenagers. The Lord will do it. And I believe this. I actually believe this because when I was writing this, I felt the Holy Spirit on it. The Lord will do it. He has heard you and he will bring it about. Amen? Nonetheless, criticism is a huge part of our culture. And it really, it's the opposite of a love that covers. Criticism is really about exposure. And I want to say this as well. Uh, encouragement in Irish culture, and I, I love Ireland. I'm half African, half Irish. I'm a half African so I love it here. I love Irish people. I love them. But we're not good at encouragement at all. At all, at all. And in, our, in Irish culture, encouragement is like an engagement ring. You work three months for it, and when you get it, it's tiny. It is. You work three months, night and day, and when you get it, it's tiny. Generous with criticisms, stingy with compliments, and we hide behind statements like, well, I'm just being honest. Or I don't want you to get a big head. Listen, I've, I've sort of, I'm not a Bible expert, but I have read the thing a couple of times. I don't see anywhere in the New or Old Testament where God calls us to police each other's pride. I don't see it anywhere. I don't see it anywhere. I see clearly that we are to watch over our own pride because either we can be humble or God will have to humiliate us. So it's humility or humiliation, but it's really between us and the Lord. Paul says in Romans that each rises and falls to their own master. Nowhere I can see does it say that we need to keep our brother humble. I don't see that anywhere. 
In fact, I see the opposite. In the scriptures, we're taught to encourage one another, to have a Barnabas ministry, to take every opportunity to speak life over that person, to encourage and say, hey, you did a great job. Not to be threatened by each other's gifts or abilities, but to see one person's strengths as all of our strengths. We are a body. One person can do it well, awesome. We all get the victory. Now, I love the NBA. I love basketball. Now, whether it's LeBron James scoring every point, right? Or the last guy on the bench who never takes off his sweats for the entire finals, everybody gets a ring. Everybody gets to hold the trophy. Everybody gets the picture. There's been seasons where LeBron has won a ring, played like every minute of every game. And afterwards, there's a picture of every team member with the, with the, with the Larry O'Brien trophy. And there's some guys who I have never seen before. <laughs> I've never seen them before because they sat the entire time on the bench. But it doesn't matter. Because when one person, when one part of the body is successful, does well, well, we all do. Let's encourage that person. Hey, that was a good sermon. Next time Pastor Nick comes down from a message, thank him. Thank you for that word. Do it. Encourage preachers. Encourage each other. Okay. Criticism is a big part of our culture. And listen, folks, sometimes it's just born out of frustration dealing with seemingly unchanging realities in a person, desiring change for people when they don't for themselves. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, familiarity, however, can blind us to growth. I say all that to say this. It can lock us in what is true of that person now rather than what is true of them in the gospel, right? It's not where they are now, but where the promises of God say they are and where they will end up. We got to step back a little bit. It's a matter of perspective. So I'm going to move on and show you this. This is what I want us to catch. When Balaam saw the people of God from the right height, he could only speak higher things. Balak hired Balaam to call it as he saw it, yet from the high places, Balaam could only call it as God saw it. Balaam was supposed to stand up and curse the children of Israel, but he got a higher perspective. And when he did, he could only sing along with the songs of God spoken over the people of God. Balaam got up high and started singing along to those songs of Zion, those songs from the heart of God over each and every believer. It's about perspective. It's about a higher mindset when you see somebody. Folks, make sure you see God's people from the right elevation, the right perspective before you open your mouth to speak about them. Hey, look at verse eight. Balaam says, how can I curse who God has not cursed? In other words, how can I bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. That's what Romans 8 tells us. God has spoken a word over his people. How can I bring a charge? How can I pull Ruth out from under Boaz's cloak and point to her flaws when she's been covered? God has called that person clean. God has called that person innocent. God has called that person holy and righteous and his own. That's the word. That person is mine. 
That is my beloved. That is my bride. That is my choice. Watch what you say. I'll punch you in the mouth. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. God covers us with his words, calls us clean, and we must be in agreement with our speech. And, and, and I want to quickly, I'm not even going to turn there, but you remember that story in Genesis 3, that Adam and Eve fall, and, and God asks Adam and Eve, who told you that? Who told you you were naked? See, the enemy pulled Adam and Eve out from under the covering of God's word, right? By pointing out something that God had covered. Do you see what I'm saying? Folks, listen to me. Discernment is seeing the work of God, not seeing through it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Discernment is seeing the work of God in somebody, not seeing through it to what God has covered at the gospel, in the gospel. There's a difference. Some of us have x-ray vision. Some of us are able to see through the blood of Jesus. We've all been there. I know I'm being facetious, but we've, we've all been there. We've all done it. We've all weighed somebody up in a moment of time. We've all been there. Look at verse 10. Balaam is looking down and all of a sudden, out of his mouth comes encouragement. Let my end be like his. I love it. He looks down. And what's he saying? You see, these are the lyrics. These are the song lyrics. This is what God is saying over his people. And Balaam is tuning in. He's becoming a mouthpiece for the Almighty instead of a mouthpiece for the enemy. And what's he saying? From this height, I can see your future. There's no, no such thing as a hopeless case in the kingdom of God. You need to elevate your mindset. You need to look from on high and you will see that from a height you can, even, you can see the future. We serve a God who, who knows the end from the beginning and calls things that are not as though they are. And listen, the work will be done. There will be glory in the end. That's what it says. Although you're in isolation now, I see your end. When a brother can't get beyond their present, speak their future over them. Speak hope to that person, folks. Speak hope to them. And now here, look at verse 13, right? Because Balak calls Balaam out to a, uh, another area and he says, you know, come with me to another place. This is verse 23, verse 13. Come to me to another place from which you may see them. You shall only see a fraction of them. You won't see them all and curse them from there. See, the enemy loves to have us focus on just a part of someone's life or to see them in isolation, apart from the body. It's easier to speak negatively that way. Folks, we got to stop time-stamping people. Everybody's growing. We can settle it here now. Every person in the kingdom, every child of God, is a work of grace. We are not the finished we're not the finished products. Like Pastor Hamp said on Sunday, we're looking not for finished products, but at the finished work. There's a difference. So folks, it's easier to speak negatively that way. Okay, God is working. He's working on the inside and they are as he sees them, not as we see them on the ground. He's working. And we've just spoken about discernment there, but discernment, remember, it's always an opportunity to cover and not expose. 
It never sounds like fault finding. It will always make an argument for and not against the brother, amen, or sister. It's always an argument for them. It's always a covering. This might be what's going on now, but eternally, this is what's true of them. I'm arguing for them and not against them. Verse 19, when what he has spoken over you will come to pass, he has said it and he will do it. Isn't that amazing? Balaam from a height is looking at the children of Israel and he's saying God's word, God is going to be faithful over every little thing that he's said over their lives. And so I'm going to remind that person of that. I'm not going to speak death over their future. I'm not going to tell them that they don't have a future. I'm not going to tell them that they have earned, they've unearned somehow what God has promised by grace to give them in their life. I'm going to keep, I'm going to point them to the fact that God said he'll finish whatever he started, that he's watching over his word to perform it. Listen, we could be, this is encouragement. This is God speaking to his people. I'm going to finish what I started. And this verse 21, I love it. I love it. Look at it. The Lord their God is with them and a shout of a king is among them. You are not alone. Isn't it amazing? We can say that to one another. I see Jesus rising in you. His shout, his song over your life, his power, his presence, his dominion in your life. I see God's hand in your life. You may not see it. You may not recognize it. You may not feel it. You may feel the complete opposite about your life. But let me tell you, I see, I hear the shout of a king in you. I see Jesus working in you. I recognize it and I want you to know it. I see his victory. I see his, the work of God in you, the hand of God on you, even if you don't. Now get up, saint. Get up, saint, child of God. He is your deliverer and your strength. He is with you. Don't give up. How many, need, how many of y'all need to hear something like that every now and again? He's with you. He's for you. He's working in you. He's working through you. He's going to finish what he started. I see the shout of a king in you. I see no fault in you, Jacob. I, I don't see it. You may see it. You may not want to look in the mirror today, but let me tell you that when he looks at you, he finds no fault in you and he's going to finish what he started. Get up, get up, get up. Don't let it weigh you down any longer. This is our ministry through our mouths to one another. Get up. Don't let it weigh you down. He's rising in you. He's, he's working. The leaven of the gospel is rising in you. Look, Balaam says it. I'm called to bless because he is blessed. I can't revoke it. I love it. I love it. There's no power, no weapon that's fashioned against you that will stand. And it will be said of your life, and this is what it says here, look what God has done. That will be the testimony of your life. I want you to hear this, that folks, these are encouragements that we can be speaking to one another. This, what, there will be a testimony of grace. Remember Zechariah? Remember Zerubbabel is looking at that temple and God says, I'm going to build it. And there's going to be shouts of grace, grace to it. 
I'm going to work with you. I'm going to work by my spirit, Zerubbabel. And there's some temples. Listen, we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. Your life might be in rack and ruin. Okay, your life might be might be destroyed like that second temple. They're standing over what was the previous temple. And listen, instead of mourning what, what is gone and what can't be recovered, we should be a people who start speaking over what is to be. The best is yet to come. Okay, so that might have, that's gone now. We're not looking backwards, we're looking forwards. He's going to lay a foundation. That foundation, he's going to fill that temple. He's going to finish the work he's starting in your life. Be encouraged, be encouraged. We've got to be generous with our affirmations. Verse 25, I probably need to, wow, I can't stop. Verse 25, I'm going to just end. I'm going to, yeah, finish in a second. Would you know, let me just go here. Where do you find this heavenly perspective? Where do we find it? How do we get there? Okay, how do we get there? We know we need it. We find it in the dirt. We find it in humility. That's where we find a heavenly perspective. Discernment begins in the dirt. Folks, a heavenly view, gospel glasses, we find them with self-assessment. We judge ourselves first. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, says concerning the table of the Lord, you've got to judge yourself first. I need to see my need for grace. I got to see that I need grace too. I need Jesus. I need him. I know there's a song over my life, but there are times where, where I, I, I fail to hear the, the sound and I need Jesus. And so I'm speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm honoring that person by valuing them in the way that God values them at the cross in the gospel. Maturity is when you start seeing more of Adam in yourself and more of Christ in those around you. Right? Your need for grace and the work or the fruits of grace in them. That's Christian maturity. Lord, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I'm the worst one in here. But I see what you're doing in everybody else. It's wonderful, Lord. It's wonderful. And so, Lord, that's my perspective. That's the mind of Christ. One who had everything, but considered it not robbery, and became a servant, humble and obedient unto death, even death on a cross. A humble mind, a mind that says, Lord, I am just, I, am, I just need you. I need you every day. I have nothing, can do nothing, produce nothing, unless you come and do it. I can't do anything, Lord. I will mess it up. If I try, I'll fail. But if I trust, you'll succeed. And that's the truth. So I need this, Lord. So when I look at that person, I'm going to speak life because I know that I'm covered by you. And so I'm going to cover because I've been covered and I know my need for covering. So I'm going to move that way toward my brothers and sisters horizontally because I see that everybody is a work of grace. Nobody's finished. Nobody's arrived. And in the gospel, we're all loved and beloved sheerly, purely by the grace that he's shown us. When we stand in background in the dirt, we have the highest perspective. From the heights of humility, we find agreement 
with God over the lives of those around us. From the heights of humility, we can agree with the words that God has spoken over those around us. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.